Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Wonderful to be with you this morning. I, don't, I think this is my first time actually celebrating being with you at this building. I've been at Calvary Church a couple of times. It's my first time actually um, celebrating the Eucharist and, and sharing the Word of God with you. It's a wonderful, wonderful space. And thank you, um, Father Smith, for your preparation and welcome and all the clergy members and you for your welcome this morning. I bring you greetings from the rest of the diocese. They say wherever Bishop goes, he carries the entire diocese with him. And I bring you greetings from the other 189 churches. Yes, we have 190 churches, and you are one of them. And this is to remind you that you are not alone, that there is a larger family of the other 189 churches with which you are part of the Diocese of of New York. And it is an important reminder to all of us that in the Episcopal Church that we are all in it together. There are many, many others who are celebrating exact same, reading the exact same uh, scripture lessons, and some of them, and many of them also, some celebrating the confirmation as we are about to do as well. Today is called, often called, the Good Shepherd Sunday, because we always hear the story about Jesus, the Good Shepherd, on this fourth Sunday of Easter. From, John, from John, John chapter 10, and we divide it up to three portions, and we hear different portion every, every year, and we hear the first portion of John chapter 10. <coughs> now, sheep and shepherd are not the most familiar and readily accessible metaphors for the modern-day urbanites in New York City, like most of us. But it doesn't take much imagination to understand the metaphors. The shepherd signifies Jesus himself and the sheep, his followers. Yet we are told that those who heard the story didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. What more is there in the story to understand? Maybe we have the benefit of 2,000 years of interpretation. Those who climb into the sheepfold should be seen with suspicion of harming or stealing the sheep, while the one who enters by the gate must be the true shepherd. It sounds pretty straightforward. Since they didn't understand what he was saying, Jesus gave them a clue, saying, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Then he went on to explain, Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If Jesus was trying to explain his earlier figure of speech, it now sounds actually even more confusing than before. I remember giving a homily on on this passage to the children one Sunday in my former parish on Long Island, I told them about the sheep and how they were not very smart. 
and needed lots of guidance, and that the shepherd's job was to stay close to the sheep and protect them from wild animals and keep them from wandering off and doing dumb things that would hurt them. Then I asked the children, who might be the sheep, who might be the sheep in the story? And they answered, people. Then I asked them, well, who the shepherd, who, who, who was, who was the shepherd? And they all said, Jesus. Then I asked, well, what does that make me, the priest? I scratched their heads for a moment, and one child raised his hand and said, I guess you must be a sheepdog. Now, I've been called many things, but never a sheepdog in my life. And I wasn't about to expand on that metaphor, especially when they had just watched the movie Babe the night before and the Sunday school sleepover. And sheepdogs are not exactly the heroes for the sheep in that movie, if you, if you have seen it. At the heart of the Good Shepherd story is the relationship the shepherd has with his flock. The fact that the shepherd calls each sheep by name and knows each sheep by name means that he personally knows each sheep in his flock. Unlike the thieves and the bandits, the shepherd cares for the well-being of each in his flock and would do anything to protect them. You might have heard this, the, about the, how sheepfolds, sheep pens are built during the time of Jesus in, the, in that region in Palestine. They were usually built with stones or mud rather than wood, which was rather scarce. And the sheepfold didn't have a gate, but simply an open gap for an entrance. So during the night, the shepherd would guard the sheep by laying himself down at the entrance. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, he is literally the gate literally gate for the sheep, laying his life down to protect the sheep. But there is something else that I would invite you to reflect upon. The setting here is in Jerusalem. They are near the temple. In fact, just a couple of days ago, they had just visited the temple, and they are actually now looking at the temple. And the temple has a sheep gate, the sheep fold. What did the sheep pen in the temple for? Sacrifice offering, sacrificial offering. And the temple would have a sheep gate where all the sheep for the offering would be brought in. So interesting to me that when Jesus says, I call each by name and they follow me out the gate. If all the sheep in the sheep pen in the temple get out of the, out of the sheep pen, what do you think would happen? There's no more sacrifice. The chief priests and the, temp, the temple authorities will be in, 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 in total chaos. This is a subtle message, I believe, that Jesus is telling the disciples. And in this, this passage is saying that there is no need for any more sacrifice. 
Also, the metaphor, of course, is that Jesus laid down his life for the salvation of his flock. Jesus offered himself as a sacrificial lamb, once for all, for the salvation of the world. There is no more need for animal sacrifices for the atonement in the temple. Because the new and eternal life of forgiveness, the unconditional forgiveness, is given through Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Jesus is the gate of redemption. Thus thus Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now this wonderful story leaves us peaceful and rather feeling cozy in our sterile and safe environment of Sunday worship. But in listening to this story and in our celebration of the resurrection of our Lord, we cannot ignore some of the tragic realities of life we, have, we are witnessing. Millions of people, women and children particularly, displaced from their homeland and living as refugees because of wars. The continuing wars in the Middle East, bombings in Syria and Afghanistan, threats of war on the Korean Peninsula, people living in fear of violence, injustice and oppression continuing within this nation, and the heightened sense of division and conflict. If the gospel story is to be a living story, if Easter is to be a living story of abundant life, we must find ways to listen to this gospel story and celebrate Easter in the midst of the tragic realities of this life, not away from it. More than ever before, we need the good news of the Easter hope. The Easter hope, the resurrection hope, is the unique gift of grace and love from Jesus Christ who was crucified and risen. We must hold up high the paschal light of life and justice when darkness covers our surroundings and injustice dehumanizes our common humanity. We must sing the songs of hope where there is no more voice left to sing. We must share our life where life becomes paralyzed by despair and hopelessness because life given to us by the crucified and risen Christ is abundant and life becomes abundant when it is shared. Many years ago, when I was still in seminary, I had the occasion to, to visit Cuba. And this was back in the, in the late 90s. And it's 10 seminarians from General Seminary. Uh, we, we got some grants, and, to, and it was a mission trip to Cuba. And we wanted to learn about the Episcopal Church in Cuba, because we learned in our Episcopal Church history that Cuba... Episcopal Church in Cuba was actually missionized and started by us, by missionaries from the Episcopal Church, especially from Virginia Seminary. Well, there's one, 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 one point for, for uh, low church seminarians, but there you go. Um, so we went. We had to go through Toronto in those days because we, there, there was no um, official uh, line to get to there. 
So we went to Cuba, and, and we, we visited. We had the privilege of visiting not the cathedral, but also many small churches all around the country, in the countryside, and both in Havana and, and all over the place. And everywhere we went, everywhere we went, we witnessed that church, the Episcopal church, was still alive and well. were being continued and kept going by a small group of people who kept it going by morning prayer every Sunday, all these years. 40, 50 years, I suppose, more than that. The church, church doors are open every Sunday. One inspiring event that, that we visited was a birthday of a, of, um, a, a teenager at, at the cathedral. So there was a big youth group party. There were about 40 youth the teenagers gathered together to celebrate the birthday of this, this one, one um, young man. And we all gathered, and his mother had made a small um, birthday cake. And they came the youth group members. And you know what they brought as presents? One child brought an egg because it was rationed. One child brought a small carton of milk. One child brought a Coke, etc. And soon there were enough milk and eggs and, and co- cans of Coke to go around to everybody so that all could share Life for them was abundant because they shared what little they had. They shared life with one another. Life becomes abundant, my friends, only when it is shared because that is what Jesus did. He laid down his life and shared his life with us that we may have it abundantly. What is, what is your abundant life story? How have you shared your life and experienced the abundance of life-giving grace of God in your life? Have you received life? in a way that was so abundant and life-giving as Jesus has shared his life with you. Today, in addition to the Good Shepherd Sunday, we are also celebrating some important milestones for the life of this parish. We celebrate the feast of the patron saint of this parish, St. George. In the Western tradition, St. George's Day is really April 23rd. But in the Orthodox tradition, which keeps the old Julian calendar, St. George's Day is often kept on May 6th. I assume that maybe that tradition in this parish comes from that. This is the Western Orthodox Church. St. George's became an important saint for the Christian Crusades in, in the Middle Ages, during which the Crusader flag of the Red Cross on white background became St. George's flag. And also understand that some of you went on a pilgrimage to Holy Land in April and during the persecution of the Christians by Emperor Diocletian in the 3rd century, George was martyred for not converting to paganism. And it is believed that his mother was Palestinian 
and the Christians in Palestine consider St. George their patron saint and the defender of their faith. In addition to St. George's Day, we also celebrate important rites of passage and the spiritual renewal in baptism, confirmation, reception, and reaffirmation. And with them, with with these candidates, we will all renew our baptismal covenant and recommit ourselves to Jesus. This is truly a celebration of the spiritual renewal of this entire community. As I baptize and lay my hands on those who are confirmed, received, and reaffirmed, I ask you to pray for the candidates that the Holy Spirit will descend upon each of them and remain with them all the days of their lives. And I ask you to pray for this community, your family, for renewal of this entire community today. Easter calls us to an abundant life given to us by the resurrection of Jesus. There is no more need for sacrifices of atonement. We only need the continual remembrance of the new life of forgiveness, mercy, and unconditional love and live such a life of grace. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. What a blessed gift of life we have been given by our true and great shepherd and the gate of our salvation. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.